Life, life happens with Pimelo Motine. So we are now going off to books, as we usually do at this time of the day, on this day. And I'm joined by uh, Griffin Shear, who joins us now in studio. And listen, this is a conversation not only between myself and Griffin. We can also open it up to yourselves as well, 891 This is Life Happens. So that would be the hashtag, SAFM's Life Happens. And when you tweet, you tweet at SAFM Radio. Good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. It's been a busy year already. I know. I see you've been reading. This is fantastic. I have to say during my break, I knocked out a lot of books and I was feeling <laughs> so good. This is fantastic. Let's start with Butterfly Burning by Yvonne Vera. This is such a gem of a book. Zimbabwean young lady. And I don't know why she's not more widely recognized all over the world, because if um, if anyone read The Stone Virgins... This is it, though. This is going to be the one. This is the one, because yeah. it was also released in the U.S., so yes. I think she's getting the huge international publicity as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but The Stone Virgins is also gorgeous. But Butterfly Burning, it's um, also set in Bulawayo huh. in the 1940s. And on the one hand, it's a love story. Um, about a girl whose mother passes and she moves in with a construction worker boyfriend. But I'm it's so written in, in a language that's... that you're calling it a love story. Yeah. <laughs> it's... It's Maybe it's a not love story, actually. It's such a yeah. heart-wrenching story because for me, it talks to so many issues. It talks to being a woman um, in, in, in the context of so many things that your settings, your, your community and how, what rights you have and, and all sorts of things. And at that time, the expectations that were had and that she was working really hard to be independent without, yes. without the boyfriend, then she gets pregnant and isn't able to, to do the course. So she has to make decisions about whether to have the baby or to, to carry on. Uh- what I can't get over is the language, though. That it's oh, it's beautiful. so beautiful. Poetic. And I don't know if anyone, um, I mean, I'm sure lots of people read on a Kindle, like I was reading on my Kindle on the flight, but when it tells you at the bottom, like, how long is till the end of the book, you know, I'm like, no, not for this one. You, don't, you, don't, <laughs> you, know, you can't read it with a timer because you want to send, uh, you want to spend like the whole afternoon on the pages because the language is really, really gorgeous. And even when she's writing about, um, yes, truly horrific that, things, yeah, you yeah, know, that, at, without spoiling yes, at the beginning. I was, say, I, was, I was about to say that, um, yeah, I don't there's know. There's a, a hanging in the first is, chapter, yes, there's also, yeah. but yeah, it's terrible, but but the language, you can just like sit and read it over and over again. I I wondered about a few things. I wondered why Yvonne took us to 1940. Yeah, I also, it's... So I thought one thing that was interesting was this bridging to the more distant past because mm-hmm. the Fumbatha, the, um, the, the guy, uh, can remember back to his grandfather and to before the Rhodesians arrived and that transition in life. And I think part of it is about, you know, all of these changes happening and people migrating to the city and there's sort of a gorgeous passage about the train where she's drawing this parallel about people riding the train from all over the country to arrive in Bulawayo to work, but that it was also happening with the people, those noises and the languages mixing. And, and the township life, yeah. And it's really beautifully drawn, and they're not living, I mean, they're living, you know, in one room with the laundry over their heads and eating, you know, underneath their, their wash while it's drying. And But when she writes about it, you know, she's so upfront about there are parts of it that, you know, they don't want to remember. And then there are these really beautiful little scenes of just like spooning sugar into the tea and just like these really simple moments that she wants to savor. Mm. And 
I don't know. I'm not sure if it was trying to avoid kind of the difficulties of the present, you know. I Yeah. I mean, reading this, I kept thinking to myself, goodness, it would be so intriguing sitting down with her and asking her a lot of the stuff. Because mm. she's obviously thinking through a lot of things, which um, unsurprisingly, I suppose, haven't changed. Well, and I wonder if that's haven't part of it. Changed. Because when you read about... Now I'm going to spoil the whole yes, book. No. But there's this horrible scene where a shop owner is throwing the packet of mealy meal over the balcony and the mealy meal burst. And there's this sort of small riot of people trying to scrape it out of the dirt, you know. And I just wonder, you know, when you're looking at a situation of food shortages now, you know, to point at like, oh, you know, 70 years later, 80 years later, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, it's people still scavenging for food, you know. Um, but it's really, for me... The reason I'm in love with this book is is the story, but the language, mm. and that there'll be these long passages where you know, it's a small book, so there's nothing that long in it, I guess. But um, where I'm like, why are we on this kind of detour talking about something random like the train? And then suddenly like, it all comes together and it fits so beautifully. And I just was totally enchanted. So she's a gifted writer. I no doubt about it. I, I think this is the book. I think this is the book that's going to get her international acclaim. I think this is it. I hope so, because it's, it's really long, long overdue. And if you do read this one and you can find The Stone Virgins, The Stone Virgins is also so evocative and writing about Bulawayo and just makes you really, you always feel like you're there in the scene. You know, she has such a beautiful way. And it's not that she's using heavy language or complex sentence structure. It's really simple and direct and every word is perfect. And I just, I'm so in love with this book. This is my big rave. (laughs) How We Fight for Our Lives by Saeed Jones. Oh my word. (laughs) That's all I have to say. Oh my word. Okay. So this is is a a big book, not big in size, but a Mm. big book. And so Saeed Jones, he's um, he's also a journalist and a poet and lots of different things. Um, an activist. An activist, uh, yes. yeah. He uh, grew up in Texas, a uh, single mom. Now a New Yorker. Uh, but I think I was reading he's left New York for Columbus, Ohio really? or he? somewhere. Isn't that interesting? And he was saying that um, that his sense of community in Ohio is so much better than what he had in New York. And really? he just... And also that his rent is down like 90%. So, really? But it was amazing. I was like, really, Columbus, Ohio, about places wow. that I'd never really spend much time thinking about. But, um, but it, the that's book... interesting because that's, it's, there's a lot there. That's now a new insight yeah, to, to the context eh? of the book. Yeah, to the um, context of the book. So he grew up in Texas, um, grew up gay and black in Texas, and writes about... His coming out experiences in so for, for pretty people clear who terms. Obviously, don't know Saeed. He's 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 a black gay um, activist. Uh, he's a poet as well, and so on. But he writes a lot. But I think it's important to describe him because it says a lot about what's in the context. So for those who don't know him, mm. he is black. Yes, he is. You know, he's African American. Obviously, he he was for a while in New York. Um, he talks about his physique a lot, so that's important. Because he's not... Um, he's, he's also not small. He's yeah, he's quite a big a guy. Big guy. Um, yes, and it's very important, that, that and the fact that he's gay. That's a very important thread there. And um, is very... Just out with his life. You know, very. he's very, but, you know, oh, not very, shy about it. You know, very... very yeah. So this is interesting because I'm... We're we obviously just people who read the books, right? We We're not activists. I'm not... I don't know what I don't know. So I'm just asking the question. 
the language and the issues that he brings up. So for those who haven't read the book, there is a lot of talk about sexuality, as, as I may have alluded to, a lot of talk about sexuality. But he also brings up very sensitive issues, issues that may have only been discussed behind closed doors. And talks very frankly about um, his experiences with his mom and trying to get her to understand and the having words to describe and the words they wouldn't talk about with each other too. Um, and I think, I think for the gay community, it's such a moment of th- thinking about language and what words to use as well. But it's very, he's also very blunt about his early experiences. But, you know, it's very. But he's also, I think he, what he also does is, so I, I had a conversation with somebody who was running, geez, I can't remember now. It was a, it's a, it's a Christmas, it's a gay Christmas party. The name escapes me now. It's a rainbow Christmas party, something like that last year, but it's a, it was the second one this year. And the criteria was very clear. So it's the second one in this country. The criteria is very clear. If you're not gay, you're not allowed. Mm. So it's, it's very, if you're not gay, you not, the party's not open to you. And I asked him why. And he said, because people have this thing about not understanding that there are things you can't ask us, right? The same way we cannot ask you about your private life, there are things you can't ask us. You may be interested, but you just have to understand the boundaries and so on. So, And sometimes we just want to be by ourselves with ourselves and not have to answer mm. questions and not feel like people are intruding and so on. But now this book opens the lid completely. And in a funny way, which was interesting for me, opens the lid and almost calls the community to account to itself mm. about how the community gay lesbian community particularly gay community deals with its own issues internally and that yes we can interrogate it just because they've been discriminated against themselves it doesn't mean that we shouldn't ask questions or they themselves shouldn't ask questions about how they treat each other no i think that's right and i think that's one of the things happening in um for this for the the current generation the the people who are in their 20s and 30s now where it's really re-examining all the things that came before like a lot of, I mean, like people are doing it in lots of different ways, you know, like women are doing to think about uh, what the things that happened in the 90s are no longer okay. I mean, like we've moved on from that. Everything has to be better. And to think about how we react to all kinds of situations and to think about his, and I just, sorry, I'm kind of hung on the issue of consent as well and thinking yes. about his life story and that his first experiences were not exactly they're just in a kind of kind of weird area that he was kind of being hit on by a guy at the library, you know, and a much older man at the library. And to think about all those kinds of issues too, I think it's yeah, it's really pulling at lots of different threads. So yeah, he 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 does he he goes to places that are very uncomfortable, mm. <laughs> um, and that 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 insists that we start asking ourselves a hard question. So if if you've had an issue, for instance, uh, as an example, in the workplace, and the issue was by a gay black man, don't assume a gay black man cannot be racist. Don't assume a gay black man cannot be homophobic. All these things, and. I think it's equally self-examining of his own his own issues in his own life too. I don't think it's um, it's not a um, kind of tossing stones book. I guess is what mm. I'm looking for. You know, he's really digging into his own story and yes. figuring out like he uses how himself that is. a lot, which is which is great, which yeah. is um, which is good. And also, is must have been incredibly difficult because I think, boy, I would not write that. 
I don't yes. think I'm, I would be able to do that to expose yes. myself in that way. So. Yes, I, I, I don't. I, it, that's what makes this book so great because mm. while he asks us very difficult questions, it's all about him. Mm. You know, look at me and draw from here what you will about what's it like to be and um, and and it's all about him. Obviously, that reflection is very very difficult, um, and so important. So, who should be reading this book? I actually think everyone gets something out of this book. You know, I don't think it's a book for gay people or for black people or for you know. I think it's really a good way to think about our relationships and our lives and. Well, like you were saying, sort of the things that we assume about each other that may not be right at all, you know. Um, and I think it's a good book club book because there's a lot to, to talk about. unpack, you know. There's, a there's lot to plenty talk about. of conversations. So. Yes, there's a lot to talk about. Um, a Spy in Time by Inran Kavadia. Mm. So I uh, will admit I only started reading Imram Kavadia recently, and then I decided I'm just going to like plow through them all. So, um, but a spy in time, there's a, a new edition out, a current edition out, and it's a Joburg book, sort of, which yes. I like. But it's Joburg in the kind of impossibly distant future, you know. <laughs> so the premise is that there was a supernova that wiped out most of the human population, and the people who survived were basically like the Zamazama in the mines who were spared because they were underground and the people who could make it underground. <laughs> so while the rest of the world has been irradiated, all of the Joe Burgers who managed to go into the mines survived and rebuilt civilization. And so on the one hand, at the beginning, I was like, oh, it's kind of this like <laughs> absurdist comedy, sci-fi, something. I didn't yeah. quite know where to, I mean, it is sci-fi, but, um, but they're time travelers trying to protect the timeline. And it's um, a young man who's joining this kind of time traveling police corps and going back in time and kind of experiencing the terror of like, you know, I'm going to encounter, you know, white people for the first time, really. And I'm going to, are they going to enslave me and all of these things traveling back to Morocco? And then he untangles this sort of big plot, you know, and there's conspiracy and all the things you want in, you know, kind of good genre fiction like that. But it's so smart and it's so fun to I'm read. I'm loving this genre. I, I must say, I'm loving what's coming out um, in this genre. It's just so... It's so creative. It, like, yes. It's so fun. It's um, so new. It's so fresh. It's so it's so creative, as you say. And, that, you know, there was this Joseph Heller quote I read sometime when um, he was talking about Catch-22. And he was like, you know, just to, because you want to write a book about something really important doesn't mean it has to be boring, you know, or self-serious and all right. that. And I think that's what's happening here is like, it's a really fun book. It's an exciting book. He goes to like something like a hundred thousand years in the future on <laughs> yes. Jupiter. And then he's yes. in Brazil in the sixties under military dictatorship and yeah, hopping I, around, but it's really fun and raises a lot of interesting issues, you know, too. Like he taps on lots of things. It's just this. amazing. I mean, we see each other in such an amazing way with these, with this genre Imran and people like Mohale, and there are a few of them mm. that are bringing up this, and really a, amazing. A growing number, which I think yes. is interesting, because when I opened um, Bridge Books three years ago, I would have the what was the big request we would get a lot yeah. was for African sci-fi and also for African historical fiction, you know. And at the time, there was very very little to pick from, but now there's this kind of growing crop, and that's mm. really cool to see. And it's interesting the stories that are just like they're so wild, fantastic, they're so yeah. wild. Okay, American Spy, Lauren Wilkinson. So this is um, this is more straightforward historical fiction. Um, I realized after I sent you this list that there were two sort of spy stories, but yes. this one is more of a twist on a straightforward spy novel. Um, the difference here is that it's a black woman, an African-American woman, who is the spy. 
And she's being asked to infiltrate Thomas Sankara's government um, because the U.S. is concerned about Soviet influence spreading around the world. Um, and she grapples with lots of different issues. Uh, so she grapples with being a black person in law enforcement and all the things that that implies in America. Um, and then the bigger thing that pervades the story is that she really falls in love with him, but also falls in love with his ideas and doesn't agree with the mission that she's been sent on to either put him in a compromising situation or to set up his assassination. And so it's about the decision she makes to escape from that. And on the one hand, you've got all of the kind of, um, you know, classic, you know, spy scenes where someone breaks into the house and she has to beat him up and whip out her spy moves. But she ends up being a single mom. And so she's stepping on Legos as she's going to beat up the bad guy yeah. who's breaking into her house. Feeding and all of those things, yeah. Juggling all of that stuff. And it really got me thinking, like, I don't, I, and I don't read tons of spy novels, but I couldn't think of another one where the spy was a woman. Real. Mm. And where the kind of decisions that they had to make were so, like, well internalized and that the conflict was so sincere and deep and meaningful. Um, so what I like about this one is there's a lot of, there's a lot of interest in Thomas Sankara over the last few years. Anyway, he's his biography and speeches like are always in demand. Um, and I know so many young people named Sankara who have been named in honor of him. But to look at the story in that way, um, I think it's a really... I couldn't tell you precisely where the line between fact and fiction lies in the historical parts of it. Which is what's make, what makes it great. Absolutely. Um, but it's a great way to learn about that part of history and to learn about Burkina Faso and what happened with his government and to explore his ideas. But it's a really, really fun read and really beautifully written. So it's a great thing to sit on the weekend yeah. and get a lot out of. All right. So that's that's quite a lot. Um, uh, so the choices are Butterfly Burning by Yvonne Vera. How we fly, how we fight for our lives by say John Jones, a spy in time by Imran Kavadia, American spy by Lauren Wilkinson. The list will be available on our Twitter um, Twitter platforms as well, so that you you're able to pick up on those novels. So my goodness, are you reading? What are you reading now? Did you say? Are you, are you reading Imran Kavadia? Now? Are you still? Are you still reading it I've now? I've taken a pause right now. I've decided to read other sci-fi that I didn't know. So I'm reading Ursula K. Le Guin. Yeah. I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, actually. And uh, then I'm on to Freshwater, which I told you I would read over Christmas yes. and I got sidetracked. <laughs> but I will read Freshwater next. So. Maybe maybe that's our next conversation. That should be our next conversation for sure. Uh, Griffin, thank you so much for coming through. Griffin Shear, who is from Bridge Books. And the list, as I said, will be available on our social media platforms. And uh, do stay tuned to SAFM. You're listening to SAFM. My name is Pimelo Modine. Thank you so much for all the time that you've taken to listen to us this afternoon. Coming up will be Maschabam Dolo. And I want to say thank all the producers. Uh, for all the work that they've done. Uh, Maschaba will be with you between three and six, so do join her for that. Straight to Utsi Saku now for the very latest in SABC News. Thanks, everybody. Let's do this again tomorrow.